from high atop his mountain of index cards and tournament brackets, this is the Joy of Booking, a fantasy booking podcast. Here's your host, DC Matthews. Thank you, Brandon Banks, and welcome everyone to the Joy of Booking. Yes, I am DC Matthews at the DC Matthews today. It's a happening day. It is week eight in the happening. In case you are just joining us, let me catch you up. Uh, I decided to do very much in the G1 style, or for me, the WCW versus the world style, uh, a round robin tournament featuring wrestlers from all of the brands under the WWE umbrella, plus. Uh, you know, female wrestlers, tag teams. We have eight blocks. There are 10 uh, people or teams in each block. It has been uh, a monumental undertaking that has involved multiple uh, spreadsheets and documents. And I had a notebook, but then I realized it was easier to type it all. So it's been a work in progress, but. I took some time off, went on vacation, came back. You know, it took a few days for me to get back into it because, A, I knew it was going to be a bit of an undertaking, and B, this is just how it works for me. Every time that I, you know, take a break from something for a few days, the the momentum dips and it takes me a while to get back into it. But I completed over the span of two days, I believe, week eight, uh, and I got to tell you, there's a lot of exciting things happening uh, in the happening, uh, so much so that I'm watching, you know, NXT UK or no NXT from a couple weeks ago, and it's the way Gargano in theory versus Pete Dunne and Oni Lorcan. And there was a part of my brain that was like, no, Lorcan and Dunne aren't friends anymore. They broke up. That happened in the happening. Uh, we'll get to that. I think NXT UK actually might be the last or NXT rather. I have to remember which one is which. So, I have um, 16 pages. Uh, I could tell you, sure, I'll walk you through it. So, I started out with uh, spreadsheets that are just, you know, the scorecard. It has a grid, the wrestlers' names going down and across, X's for when they match up with each other. Um, and then I can keep track of the points, 20 points for a pinfall or submission, 15 for a countout, 10 for a disqualification, 5 for a time limit draw, 0 for a, a loss, of course. And I had that. Then I had documents printed out around Robin Tournament webpage, printed out those things so I could track, you know, who, which rounds are happening and who's wrestling who and all of that. So I randomized that order to figure out which order we're going to go in. I looked at the matches, figured out what round eight was going to be, looked at the matches, decided what the order of the matches was going to be, then used a die rolling uh, website to figure out the, the winners and losers. So all of this to say, I'm actually I'm letting fate do the fantasy booking. And I got to tell you, fate, pretty good booker, got a pretty good pen. So let's get into it. Uh, we begin with the NXT Tag Team Division. Coming out of Week 7, Pretty Deadly and Ever Rise were neck and neck. 
They were right, you know, they're going at each other tooth and nail. Um, they were the teams to beat. The hunt was still in the hunt, though it was not, you know, they were behind. So as of week seven, Everize was in the lead by 10 points. Pretty Deadly was right there. The hunt was a little bit behind. And those were essentially the only teams that could feasibly win based on point totals. So as it turns out, Pretty Deadly and Everize were in the main event of week eight. But before that happened, this was one of the brackets that it just so happened the way things fell. Like I said, fate's got a good pen. Uh, the 10th ranked team and the 9th ranked team were facing each other, 8th and 7th, 6th and 5th, all the way up. So it worked out perfectly. It was very easy to decide the match order. First match, Gallus, who is ninth, Imperium, who is in last place in this bracket, uh, they're, they're fighting for pride at this point. They're so far out of contention. Uh, and Imperium gets the win, defeats Gallus, and they swap places. So now Imperium has a five-point lead over Gallus. Each of them only has two wins. Again, we'll, be in, we'll see what happens in Week 10. At this point, a lot of these teams are just possibly playing spoiler. Next up. Grizzled Young Veterans are ranked 8th. Brizongo is ranked 7th. Brizongo gets in the ring, the bell rings, and they start throwing a party. Because they've both been released. They want to have fun with their audience. We'll assume these are in live with live crowds and things. Uh, they throw a dance party. An, almost similar to an Adam Rose dance party. There's people, maybe there's a bunny, there's dancing, there's partying. Uh, they take a count-out loss because they're too busy having fun with the fans to worry about it. So Grizzled Young Veterans get a win. Again, they're out of contention, but they do get a win. Uh, Timmy and Tommy, Thatcher and Champa, the fifth-ranked team versus MSK. This match is going to happen, I believe, at the Great American Bash, which is next week, depending on when you're listening to this. For me, it's next week's NXT. Uh, And MSK gets the win, which... I would imagine might be how it works. As much as Timmy and Tommy are an entertaining team and have been doing things, I got to imagine they're going to keep the belts on MSK. Uh, MSK, after eight rounds, has 75 points, which is good enough for them to get into fourth place. Again, they're not going to win, but they were not doing this well uh, at one point, so they're they're making their way up. Uh, The Hunt versus Legato. De Fantasma. The Hunt is third. Legato is fourth. If the Hunt wins, and I think at this point, go back and check the scores. If the Hunt wins and Pretty Deadly were to lose, they would be tied for second place. I'm not sure who would hold the tiebreaker. I don't have that document in front of me, and I'm not willing to go get it. Uh, But Legato won't let that happen. They won't let the Hunt be in the Hunt. They you know, get themselves intentionally disqualified. So the hunt wins, but that's only worth 10 points. So at this point, there's really no way for the hunt uh, to contend. So it's over for them or symbiosis or whatever they're calling themselves these days. Let's talk about the match you would want to see. Pretty Deadly, the second-ranked team ever rise, the first-ranked team. I imagine this to be an epic encounter uh, some wrestle silly, certainly, but some also great tag team wrestling. And in the end, I'm not going to try to do the Glenn and Jeremy impression because they do it far better than I. Uh, but the, as they would put it, the best tag team in the world, 
Pretty Deadly gets the win, pinning Ever-Rise. And so now we are set up heading into Week 8. Pretty Deadly has taken the lead. They have 110 points. Ever-Rise has 100 points. So Pretty Deadly's wrestling Timmy and Tommy in Week 9. If they win by any stretch, DQ, countout, pinfall, submission, if they win, they are the champion. Because they now hold a tiebreaker. So if they get that 120 points, there's no way Forever Rise to catch them. So they need at least a disqualification win. As Forever Rise, they're taking Gallus, who's ninth. So based on the brackets, TNT is sixth. Uh, but it's harder for them to win. So what Ever Rise needs to have happen is they need to have Pretty Deadly lose and. They need to win by countout or higher. Because, again, if they won by disqualification, it'd be tied. Tie goes to Pretty Deadly. So they need to win by countout and have Pretty Deadly lose. So it more than likely, Pretty Deadly is going to win that block. But we'll see what happens. Uh, next up, we move to Monday Night Raw. Jinder Mahal has been in the lead Almost the entire time. In fact, it may have been the entire time that Jinder Mahal has been in the lead. And everyone's trying to catch him. And there's a group of people who are close. There's a group of people that are in the hunt again. Uh, Ricochet, Umberto Carrillo, and Angel Garza all have 65 points. Jinder has 85. So he's got 20 points on the, the pack. Shelton Benjamin, 60 points. So... There's a group that could contend if cards fell right. But if Jinder wins, he's pretty much locked himself into uh, a victory. Uh, first matchup, Drew Gulak, who's ranked eighth. Keith Lee is ranked ninth. Keith Lee is one of many talents in the happening that just could not get any momentum, could not get things going. And you get that combined with all the frustrations that are happening to real-life Keith Lee. He snaps a bit. Because Gulak has a counter for everything. He's putting him in submission holds. Lee's barely able to make it to the ropes. Keith Lee snaps, attacks Drew Gulak, gets disqualified. Gulak makes it up to 60 points. Again, neither of these guys are in it. But Keith Lee at this point is, is far and away in 10th place. Now, if you've been paying attention, Mustafa Ali had been in 10th place again this whole time. Took him a very long time to get... Uh, any sort of momentum, any sort of victories. In fact, going into week eight, he only had one. He now has two. The next matchup he's taken on, uh, Damian Priest, who's ranked seventh. Priest doesn't seem to care. He just walks out. You know, the match is going, and at one point he's just like, you know what? He's not in contention. It doesn't matter. None of this matters to him. So he's done. So Ali gets a count out win. Amazingly, he's up to 50 points, uh, which is pretty impressive considering he only has the two wins, uh, but he is no longer in the basement. Angel Garza, who is ranked fourth. Cedric Alexander, who is ranked sixth. Uh, Garza pins Cedric. Garza now is tied with Jinder Mahal with 85 points. And in fact, Angel has beaten Jinder before, so Angel has that tiebreaker. So as of this moment, Angel Garza is in first place. All Jinder has to do is score some amount of points, and he'll take the lead back. But as of this moment, Angel Garza is in first. 
Next up, Umberto Carrillo, who is in third. Shelton Benjamin, who is in fifth. Shelton gets the win, pinning Umberto Carrillo. Uh, it seems like the last few weeks have been very, very good for Shelton Benjamin. He now has 80 points. He is in third place behind uh, Jinder and Angel, but he's in striking distance. And a guy like Shelton Benjamin is one of those sneaky guys who, if you don't give him the respect he deserves, if you don't consider him a threat, he will beat you like that. Uh, I didn't mention it at the beginning. I should have. Our main event here is, again, a battle between first place and second place. Gender in first, Ricochet in second. Gender realizes his momentum is on the way down. He realizes he's not going to get the win. Or if he does, he's going to have to struggle probably a little harder than he wants to. And so, again, gets himself disqualified, which prevents Ricochet from getting any points needed to tie. But that also doesn't score him any points. So heading into the final week of action, Angel Garza has taken over first place. 85 points. Jinder Mahal, same amount of points, but has that tiebreaker loss. So he's in second. Shelton's now in third. Ricochet is in fourth. But they are 10 points away from each other. So at any point, this could become a thing. The very nebulous top of the block here. Uh, Angel Garza is battling his cousin, Umberto Carrillo, who is in fifth place. Uh, if Umberto were to pin his cousin, he'd also have 85 points. We'd have to look and see how the tiebreakers worked in that case. Uh, but if Angel Garza can get a pin, if he can pin Umberto, he's guaranteed to win because, again, Jinder doesn't have the tiebreaker. So, in order for Jinder to win, he's wrestling Shelton Benjamin. That'll probably be, well, we'll have to see what the main event matchup will be. Uh, we've got Jinder versus Shelton. If Shelton wins and Angel Garza loses, Shelton Benjamin could be the shock winner of this whole thing. Ricochet's in fourth. He's wrestling Damian Priest. Now, if Damian gives up again, as he did this week, once again, Ricochet's in a position where everybody else has to lose, which is tricky because you have Shelton wrestling Jinder. Now, if, let's do the math while we're talking, if Ricochet were to win, Angel Garza were to lose, and Jinder and Shelton were to get a draw, then Ricochet would win. So there are potential ways, potential paths even, for all those talents to win. So Raw in week nine is going to be very, very interesting. The NXT, oh, this is not the NXT tag division. That's a misprint on my part. Let's move to the regular tag division. The New Day has been in the lead again, like Jinder Mahal, but their lead has been pretty intense. They've got a pretty big lead. The only people really in contention, the Mysterios. So that's where we stand. Lucha House Party versus the Usos. Lucha House Party gets another win. They have four wins, which is probably more than anyone expected them to. Usos, not there. Not there happening. T-Bar and Mace, the surprise entrance here. They entered week eight. What is something went wrong? Reload. Uh-oh. Don't, don't fail on me, spreadsheet. I will lose it if you fail on me. Let's 
just pause and wait for it to reload and we're not going to freak out. Everything's going to be fine. Got too much going on, probably. It's working slowly. That's okay. It's still, it's up. Don't, don't think we've lost everything. I just need to get to the right place. Uh, T-Bar and Mace, they're 30 points behind New Day. So again, not necessarily in a place to contend, but again, way further than anyone I think expected them to. They're going up against the Dirty Dogs, who are in ninth place. Uh, T-Bar and Mace have gotten victories because they're of their size. They beat AJ and Omos, I'm pretty sure, because they're almost as big as Omos. Almost, 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 almost. But Ziggler and Rude have that experience that you need. And they don't care about size, and that means they got the win. They pinned T-Bar and Mace. Again, neither of them in contention. But good showing for both teams. Viking Raiders, who are in seventh place, taking on The Miz and Morrison, who are in fourth. Time limit draw. Impressive that Eric and Ivar uh, could get a time limit draw. They're both beefy, bulky guys, but time limit draw. Uh, I mentioned this on Twitter. I'm reading a book right now about the year 1000 and how in the year 1000, that time period was when all of these civilizations that had been pretty centered onto themselves uh, began traveling and exploring and really opened up the idea of global trade and globalization. That's the kind of reading I do in my spare time. Uh, and in that book, it taught me that the word Viking uh, means to raid or to be pirates. So, so Vikings are raiders. So Viking raiders are are Raiders Raiders. Time limit draw. Again, neither of them in contention. It's really all about these last two matches. Uh, the New Day. We're taking on the Street Profits. Street Profits, 10th place. They've been doing terribly. Frustrations have mounted to the point when Montez Ford last week in week seven walked out on his partner after the match, but walked out on Angelo Dawkins. And as week eight enters, week eight starts off, Angelo Dawkins comes out by himself. Montez Ford, nowhere to be seen. New Day tries to be like, look, we don't have to do this. It's okay. Angela's like, nope, I'm going to wrestle you both by myself. We're going to do this. I'm going to keep going. The match is happening. Angelo, Angelo's getting, obviously, taken out by the greatest tag team in the world. We learned that this week. New Day, according to WWE, the greatest tag team of all time. Montez Ford finally comes out, gets the tag, gets the hot tag, gets in there. We have a competitive match. And in the end, the Street Profits pick up only their second win of the tournament, giving New Day their first. No, that can't be right. Hold on. Checking something, please. Bear with me. No. Five, oh, and one. Somewhere along, no, six. There it is, five, oh, and two. That's it. Yeah, had to check, make sure my win total was right. Uh, giving New Day their first loss of the entire tournament. New Day entered this five wins, zero losses, two draws. They get their first loss against the 10th team, 
Montez and Angelo embrace. The Street Profits are back together. It's all about the smoke, whatever that means. New Day shakes their hands, celebrates with them. Glad to see another great team staying together. Uh, that means New Day doesn't get any points. So the Mysterios were 15 points back. Which means that if the Mysterios pin their opponents, AJ and Omos, they win or they take the lead. If they tie, no, if they get a countout victory, there's lots of variables here. If they get a countout victory, it's a tie. What happens? None of those things. Mysterios win by DQ. AJ and Omos, again, attack the Mysterios before the bell even or after the bell get themselves intentionally disqualified. New Day does come out to make the save, to save the Mysterios. New Day, the heroes on multiple occasions in this night. But with the Mysterios picking up only a disqualification win, that still leaves them five points, but only five points behind New Day. So competitive bracket heading into week nine. New Day's taking on Miz and Morrison. If they pin Miz and Morrison... They win because, again, there's no way for the Mysterios to score 25 points. If they score a countout victory and the Mysterios win their match against the Raider Raiders, we go into sudden death because the Mysterios and New Day, time limit draw. There is no tiebreaker. If these two teams wind up tied at the end of week nine, they will have to have one final match, an extra bonus match, winner take all. Mysterios need, again, they're taking on the Viking Raiders. Uh, they need 10 points if New Day loses. So again, in order for the Mysterios to win, they are counting on uh, the New Day to lose. So interesting to see how that shapes up. Let us move to the women of NXT. When we last left them, me, uh, nope. Again, I did, did I do this wrong again? I was not paying attention. This is just not the women of NXT. This is the women of the main rosters, Raw and SmackDown. Uh, Mia Yim, a.k.a. Reckoning, I think she's still technically on a main roster, uh, had a 20-point lead over Naomi in second, Liv Morgan in third, Nikki Cross in fourth, Shayna Baszler a distant fifth. All right, so can Mia keep it up? Will anyone be able to get close enough to challenge her? Let's find out. Piper Niven, who's replacing uh, Eva Marie. I'm not calling her Dewdrop. I'm fine with the name, but I don't want to say it, except I just did. Uh, taken on Dana Brooke. Piper gets another win. So Eva Marie, 0-5. Piper Niven, 2-0. Uh, again, these two are so far out of it, it doesn't even matter their points. But Piper gets the win. Uh, Ruby Soho, I believe that's the name she's going by now, so we will honor that. She was in ninth place, taking on Naomi, who is in second. Soho could be a spoiler, and in fact, she was a spoiler, winning by count out. Uh, so Naomi unable to close the gap between her and Mia Yim. Nikki Cross in fourth place, Carmella in sixth. Another time limit draw, that Pretty much, in fact, I don't even think pretty much. That takes out Nikki's chances of winning this thing. But you know what? She's almost a superhero. So she's defeated, but not eliminated. Or she's eliminated, but not defeated. Whichever way that makes the most sense. 
Uh, Mandy Rose in eighth place, taking on Mia Yim. Once again, Mia Yim wins, especially now with Naomi, Naomi losing. Uh, Mia's going to walk away with it, but that does not happen. Mandy Rose shocking the world, perhaps, with a pinfall victory uh, over uh, Mia Yim. However, with Naomi not getting the win either, Mia still, at this point, has a 20-point lead over the competition. Uh, the only thing that could potentially get in the way of that is this next matchup with Shayna Baszler in fifth place and Liv Morgan in third. Liv has 70 points. So if Liv gets a pin, she's five points behind Mia heading into week nine. Shayna Baszler has had all sorts of problems with her temper. She was too good early on. People were scared, giving her count out or disqualification victories, not letting her score the points she needs to contend. Liv Morgan's not scared, probably should have been. Shayna taps her out. So Shayna gets the win, which sets up a very big match for Week 9, because what happens in Week 9? I'm glad you asked. Mia Yim versus Shayna Baszler. Shayna has a tiebreaker win over Naomi, so technically at this point, Shayna's in second place. 20 points behind Mia Yim. If Shayna can tap out Mia Yim or pin her, Shayna will win which would be a fabulous story when you consider how much she had to struggle to get through this block. Mia Yim only has to not get pinned or not tap out, which begs the question, what rationale and what reason does Mia Yim have to participate in this match at all? What if she gets herself disqualified right away? Shayna gets five or 10 points, Mia wins the block. What if she gets counted out? Shayna gets 15 points. Mia wins the block. Now, as the general manager overseeing all of this, I'm noting that. And I, while I have faith that Mia Yim is an honorable competitor who will do her best to win this, I am wondering, hmm, am I going to need to step in at some point and make a change Um to let week nine happen with the best chance for fans to go home happy. Are they going to go home if this match, again, it's one versus two. This is going to main event that show. Do I want my main event of that show to be someone getting intentionally disqualified or intentionally counted out to swerve their way to, to the championship of the, the winner of the block? I'll have to think about that. Uh, Naomi... Uh, who, again, is in third place but has 75 points. If she wins and Shayna doesn't score, the, so Naomi must have, based on this, and again, I don't have the documents. I didn't grab all my paperwork. Uh, I, Miriam has two losses. One of them might be to Naomi. Sounds right. If Naomi were to win and Shayna not to get 20 points, Naomi has a tiebreaker win over Mia. So if Shayna won by countout or disqualification, uh, and Naomi pins Mandy, Naomi now wins. So again, a lot of variables, a lot of things would have to fall in place perfectly for that to happen, but it's interesting. All right. But again, now if I make a decision, because I right away I'm like, well, what if I made all of my main events or all of all of these matches uh, no count out. Well, must be a winner. No count outs, no disqualifications. If I do that, I'm screwing over 
Naomi. Let's just be real. If Shayna wins and automatically gets 20 points, I'm screwing over Naomi. There's no way for her to win. So I have to think about that. These are the kinds of things general managers have to think about. Uh, Let's move into NXT. I actually have it right this time. Uh, Going into week eight, NXT, Kyle O'Reilly, who has been, again, top the block for a while, holds a slim five-point lead over Isaiah Swerve Scott, the new North American champion. Congratulations to him. Uh, And Oni Lorcan and Pete Dunne, who had that sort of breakup in week seven in which Lorcan pinned Dunne, they're tied at 70. So there's a whole lot going on atop this block. Let's find out what happens in week eight. Uh, Dexter Loomis in eighth versus Cameron Grimes in 10th. Cameron Grimes is, I just, I'm so, I feel so bad for him. He gets tapped out to uh, Dexter Loomis's Anacon device submission hold. Grimes still at 30 points. Pete Dunn, fourth place. L.A. Knight, your million-dollar champion, in seventh place. If Pete wins, he's in the lead. He does. Pins L.A. Knight, gets the win. He now has 90 points. Kyle O'Reilly only has 80. Pete Dunn pulls out a chair and sits himself down at ringside. He's going to watch the rest of the matches. Kyle O'Reilly comes out. He's next up because he's taking on Roderick Strong, who's in ninth place. Strong wins by DQ. How? Dunn attacks him. So Pete Dunn gets Kyle O'Reilly disqualified by attacking his opponent, attacks Strong, then attacks Kyle O'Reilly, keeping Kyle O'Reilly from getting those points to take the lead, and then he sits back down. So he has already interfered in one match and cost one opponent the chance to get to the top of the block. Next up is his old pal, only Lorcan, in third place with Austin Theory, who's in sixth. Now, Oni Lorcan's a smart guy. He knows what's going to happen. He knows Pete Dunne's going to probably try to do the same thing. So Oni comes out before Kyle O'Reilly even gets out of the ring, and he and Dunne start brawling. Because if Oni's thought is, if I take Pete Dunne out, he can't interfere in my match. Austin Theory comes out. He and Dunne double-teaming Oni Lorcan. Bell hasn't even rung yet. Rolls him into the ring relatively quickly. Austin Theory gets the pin. So once again, Oni Lorcan, no points. In fact, Austin Theory, now at 75 points, he's moved ahead of Oni Lorcan. Austin Theory, now in third place. Our main event, Isaiah Swerve Scott, your North American champion, versus Big Damo, Killian Dane. A time limit draw. So in my head, general manager, my main event was a time limit draw. Don't like when that happens even though it was a great match. Uh, Isaiah Swerve Scott gets five points, which is good enough for him to take second away from Kyle O'Reilly, owning that tiebreaker. So now Kyle O'Reilly, who had been in the lead for, honestly, weeks at a time, is now in third place. Austin Theory in fourth. Oni Lorcan in fifth. Pete Dunn's at the top. 90 points. How does he win this thing? Well, he's wrestling Kyle O'Reilly. In what will be, again, the main event. If he pins Kyle O'Reilly, 
or gets a count out win, he's got the block. He's got the tournament. He's the winner. If he gets a disqualification and Isaiah Swerve Scott doesn't pin his opponent, he also wins. So quite a few ways for Pete Dunne to win this thing. For Isaiah Swerve Scott, he's taken on Roderick Strong. He's got to win and have Dunne not do too well. If he wins and Kyle O'Reilly wins, Swerve does have a tiebreaker. So again, multiple ways for Swerve to win. Kyle O'Reilly, if he pins Dunne and Swerve doesn't pin his opponent, Kyle O'Reilly wins. Austin Theory, wrestling Cameron Grimes in 10th place. If he pins Cameron Grimes and no one else gets a pinfall in the top of that block, he wins. As for Oni Lorcan, he's got to beat Killian Dane, and everyone else above him has to lose four people. And again, uh, now that I'm looking at it, Pete Dunn's wrestling Kyle O'Reilly. So Oni Lorcan's out of it, but strong showing for him. So we're going to find out in the main event matches in week nine. We'll find out. At no point, I'd like to point out, at no point do we have... A clear winner already. Nobody has guaranteed themselves winning this block, and we've done five things. We've got a 10-point lead for Pretty Deadly. We've got a tie in on the Raw brand. We've got a five-point victory in the tag team ranks. Mia Yim does have a 20-point lead, but she's wrestling the top challenger, so that's nothing set in stone there. Pete Dunn. Only has a 10-point lead. Week 9 is really going to matter, which is nice when that happens. Uh, SmackDown. Heading into week 8. Cesaro and Gable tied 105 points apiece. Cesaro has a tiebreaker win, but they're right there. Sami Zayn and Otis, 25 points behind. So if things were to fall right, they'd find themselves right into contention. Let's see what happens. Fantastic match to start the show. Alistair Black in sixth, taking on Shinsuke in seventh. Nakamura wins. Once again, they're not they're fighting for pride and the joy of competition at this point. Sami Zayn in third place versus Kevin Owens in eighth. Now, last week, Kevin Owens, Apollo Crews, Biggie. All doing terribly. It's a nightmare situation for them. We saw at the end of week seven, Big E and Kevin Owens commiserating a little bit. Talking about their, you know, maybe they could help each other out somehow. And sure enough, that happens. Big E comes out and helps distract Sami Zayn so that Kevin Owens can pick up a countout victory. That gives Owens some points. That keeps Zayn from gaining any points. Sami Zayn is not going to contend for the block championship. Next up, Apollo Crews in eighth place versus Chad Gable in second. Gable's got a win to take the lead over Cesaro, and he does, pinning Apollo Crews. Apollo Crews, one win, six losses, one draw. He should have just let Commander Aziz fight for him. Uh, Gable now has 125 points. Now the pressure's on Cesaro. Cesaro's got to get a pin if he wants to tie Gable. Cesaro's up next. He's taking on Big E. 
Will Kevin Owens come out? Will Kevin Owens return the favor for Big E? Not only give Big E a win, but keep Cesaro from catching up? Partially, Kevin Owens did come out, but didn't help. Being the heely heel that he is, even when he's a babyface, uh, doesn't help. Cesaro pins Big E. Cesaro is still tied with Gable, and Cesaro still has that tiebreaker. Our main event, Shane Thorne, who's in fifth place, versus Otis, who is in third. Again, if Otis loses, he's out of it. Shane Thorne, undefeated since replacing Buddy Murphy in The Happening. No longer. Otis does get a pin. He's solidly in third place. Cesaro and Chad Gable tied entering week nine. Cesaro's wrestling Apollo Crews, the man with just one win. Can Apollo Crews be the spoiler to end all spoilers? We'll see. Chad Gable's got to take on, excuse me, Shane Thorne who it does coming off his first loss, but has been doing wonderfully in the block. Cesaro pins, and he wins. Gable's got to score more points than Cesaro. If Gable gets a count out, Cesaro does a draw, Gable's going to win. As for Otis, he's got to win, and Cesaro and Gable both have to lose, which could happen in the happening. But that's how Otis Surprises everyone and takes this championship. The women of NXT. What's been going on with them? Well, it is the Mako Satamura show. She has a 20-point lead over Zaya Brookside. Dakota Kai in third. And then there's a four, actually no, six, with the exception of poor Santana Garrett. Poor Santana Garrett. She is so good. But again, this was not for her. There's a group. Dakota Kai has 70 and third place, Mercedes Martinez is in ninth place but has 55. So there's a large block of talent that are all within striking distance of each other. It'll be interesting to see how week eight plays out. Ember Moon in eighth place. Jesse Camilla in fifth. Ember gets the win. Bring her up to 75 points. Dakota Kai is in third. Mercedes Martinez is in ninth. Mercedes has had some anger issues similar to many other talents who this G1 style tournament is not working for. Now it's Dakota Kai's turn to get some rage. Uh, Cause again, she's not able to get any sort of advantage over Mercedes. She attacks Mercedes gets the DQ win. Mercedes also has 75 points. Dakota Kai who had been in second or third place for much of this tournament is now going to find herself in sixth. Santana Garrett in 10th place versus Zaya Brookside in 2nd. Santana could be a spoiler. Zaya wins and tie, or pins Santana and ties Mako Satamora, and that is exactly what happens. Zaya Brookside gets the win. She and Mako, for the moment, or perhaps for the block, for the week, have 100 points. Shotzi Blackheart in 4th place versus Zaya Lee in 5th. Zaya Lee gets the win. She now has 85 points. She's only 15 points behind Mako and uh, Zaya Brookside. It's the Zaya show here. So there's a chance. There is a chance mathematically for Zaya Lee to take this. Or is there? Because Afa Valkyrie replacing Piper Niven, taking on Mako Satamora, and she is the final boss for a reason. 
I watched her match with Kaylee Ray this morning. Good gosh, it was good. Uh, Mako wins, so continues to have a 20-point victory. But week nine, I promise you, I want to stress to you, dear listener, I didn't plan any of this. I should have. I should take credit for all of this because what is going to be the main event of the NXT women's matches in week nine? Mako Satamora versus Zaya Brookside. That's what's left for them. So if Zaya pins Mako, she wins. If Mako doesn't get pinned, she wins. Again, similar to the other women's block, Mako has no reason to make that match competitive. Walk away. Lose the 15 points, but win the block. So as GM, once again, now, I have way more faith in Mako Satamora than I do in Mia Yim. Not questioning Mia Yim's dignity, but I'm just fully saying Mako Satamora has no reason to think she's going to lose anything. She's got 120 points, for goodness sake. She is 6-2. and two. Uh, So what do I do as general manager? Again, I have to consider Naomi, but Naomi right now is the one person who is affected if I make a change and make a ruling in terms of changing how week nine is scored. We'll see what happens. But Zaya Brookside versus Mako Satamora is going to be mwah, delightful. NXT UK, our last block of the week. There is trouble on the mustache mountain, friends. Trent Seven and Tyler Bate got in each other's face, cost each other matches in week uh, seven. And heading into week eight, again, I wish I could take credit for it, are facing each other. Actually, this one I did take credit for. I did look at what the two, there were two remaining rounds. I looked at who they were facing and realized that they could face each other this week, and that made the most sense. So this is a booking decision I can take credit for. All the other ones, I promise you, fate. Flash Morgan Webster is in the lead. He has a 15-point lead over Trent Seven. Bailey Matthews, who's only been on NXT UK TV once. But if you don't know, I, I don't know how you don't know this. He's the son of William Regal. Of course I'm going to put him in this. Uh, he's got 75 points. Joe Kofi at 65. Tyler Bate a distant 55. So, trouble on the mountain. Can Flash Webster hold on to his lead? Nathan Frazier versus Ilya Dragunov. Frazier's eighth, Dragunov seventh. This match would be incredible. Nathan Frazier gets the win. Uh, again, it's just for pride at this point. Bailey Matthews in third place versus Eddie Dennis, who is in tenth. Symbiosis, or whatever they're calling themselves, T-Bone and the Primate, make themselves known. They're out of it in the tag division, so they're now able to deal with their manager and spiritual leader, or whatever the, he calls himself. They attack Bailey Matthews. Eddie Dennis gets the win. Again, essentially over for Bailey Matthews if his opponents get wins. Rampage Brown versus Joe Kofi. I just watched this match on NXT UK. It was delightful. This match would also be delightful. Uh, Rampage Brown, two wins and five losses. Clearly, he's out to prove a point, and he does so. He pins Kofi, uh, proving that his record probably a fluke. Dave Mastiff, Flash Morgan Webster. Webster wins 
and he's distanced himself from pretty much anybody except potentially Trent Seven, because our main event, of course, is the Battle of the Mustache Mountain. But Dave Mastiff, spoiler and bomber, pins Flash Morgan Webster. Uh, Webster stays at 95 points. So if Trent Seven wins, he gets his lead back. But he doesn't. Tyler Bate getting some revenge and uh, putting himself again in contention for a top score. He's not going to win based on tiebreakers and everything. I'm pretty sure there's no chance for him to win. But he keeps Trent Seven from getting anywhere. So we're essentially right where we left off. This is one of the blocks where we're essentially right where we left off. Flash Morgan Webster, same amount of points, same place, first place. Trent Seven, still 80 points, still second place. Bailey Matthews, still third place. Holds a tiebreaker victory over Tyler Bates. So Tyler Bates moved up a bit. Dave Mastiff's moved up a bit. But other than that, not much else changing in this block. Flash Morgan Webster's wrestling Joe Kofi in week nine. If he wins by any point, by anything, DQ, count out, pinfall. If he wins... He's the champion of the block. If Trent Seven can get a win over Rampage Brown, tough task, and Webster either loses or gets a time limit draw, then Seven wins. As for Bailey Matthews, in order for him to win, he has to win his match. Flash Morgan Webster has to lose his match, and Trent Seven can't score 15 points. That's a lot of hoops to juggle. But there's an outside chance for Bailey Matthews to win. So looking over these things, uh, I will affect some change no matter what I do if I make a change. But I feel like as general manager, if I was running a show, if I was in charge of a wrestling promotion and we were having a big tournament like this, I would not want my tournament to end at any point with fishiness. I'm sure there have been tournaments that have ended with fishiness, but I don't want any sort of shenanigans. I don't want any countouts. I don't want any disqualifications. So as general manager, I am decreeing that week nine will feature no countout, no disqualification for anybody. Any match must be a winner, which means you either score 20 points or you score zero points. Do I want to put time limit draws in? No, I don't. Can I tell you? No, I don't. If, if there was a turn, you know, I remember Seamus and Cesaro going to seven, a best of seven series and nobody winning. And while it led to Debar, which was an excellent tag team, that was some bull dung when it happened so I'm saying there's no time limit draws either there must be a definitive winner 
So when I do week nine, if you score more points on your dice than your opponent scores on their dice, you win. And let the chips fall where they may. We have a lot of matches coming up that are top seed versus second seed, winner take all. Let's see what happens in week nine. I think it's going to be excellent. I think it's going to be amazing. And I think it's going to be fun, which is all that matters. My name is DC Matthews, at the DC Matthews. Fun is all that matters, which is why I will see you the next time we celebrate the joy of booking.